0: Time for another Bruins postgame podcast on weei.com. We are presented by at and I'm Ken Laird along with DJ Bean, Bruins reporter. Three straight wins for the Bruins, DJ, and this one tonight against Montreal by a final of 4-1. to one. Not only revenge for the Winter Classic and two straight in Montreal, but Tuka Rask is a flat star against the Canadians. Come on, this is amazing.
1: Yeah, Nick Boss from Nessun just had the, the tweet calculated his save percentage against the Canadians this season. In, regardless, of location and remember, he gave up five goals in the Winter Classic. Uh Rask had a nine-two-eight save percentage in four games against the Canadians this season, which is obviously really good and uh, very much helped out by the fact that he made seventy saves over his last two games uh, at Bell Center.
0: Yeah, and of course that Winter Classic can't be uh, totally forgotten either. But you know, tonight's was right. a little a little bizarre. It was like a rocky start uh, or a little a wild one anyway. They get the Max Talbot go on a breakaway on, a, on kind of a busted play. And then in the second period, Montreal seemed to tilt the ice, and out of nowhere, Patrice Bergeron gets the wraparound goal.
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, by midway, like so, they have scored, what, eight minutes into the second period. I remember five minutes into the second period thinking the Bruins, again, as has been the case a lot recently, should have at least two by now. and Just given... Uh, you're right. The game kind of was all over the place, but they were certainly out chanting the Habs. And I figured, man, here we go again. This is going to be another opportunity, another game where, you know, they, they should be up a couple of few goals, and they keep it too close and they get burned. And that's what happens when, they, uh, when Habs tied up. But yeah, that Bergeron goal was huge because really there wasn't too much life from the Canadians again after that.
0: And it's just hey, you know, you survive and and find a way to win for the second uh, game in a row, uh, you know, and you can make all the excuses for Montreal. They're in a real funk right now, and of course, Carey Price isn't there. But now the tenth straight game without David Krejci, so uh, both teams had their issues, and got to give the Bruins some credit here for a little short stack.
1: Yeah, I mean, this hasn't been. they know, they're not playing their best hockey, and they know that they that they're without one of their best players. So once you do get back. I mean, I think that they'll be able to take a, a good look in the mirror and say we've been able to survive the last few games without Crachy, and right now they're over five hundred without Crachy, which is a little surprising given how bad things were going for a little bit. But they can say, you know what, we, we haven't played our best here, but we've been beat up a little bit and now that we're full strength, we kinda have to get back to what we were doing earlier on the season, which was really just uh, living and dying by their offense, which ultimately is probably what this team is going to have to do anyway.
0: Also highly entertaining tonight, David Pasternak gets back in the lineup uh, for Landon Ferraro, who I guess has a minor uh, injury and was out, or well, I shouldn't say minor, lower body injury, and uh, barely plays. You know, had five shifts going into the uh, midpoint yeah. of the third period. Claude's putting him out there, obviously picking and choosing who he's against, and uh, he comes out and puts the dagger in the heart with his fourth goal of the year.
1: Yes, uh, I mean, his points per shift, if there's such a, a stat, <laughs> it must be off the chart because it was his, you're right, he, he uh, not quite sets up but plays a big role in the Bergeron goal uh, on his fifth shift of the game. Doesn't get his sixth shift for, what, at least another ten minutes of hockey. And, uh, and then when he finally gets back out there, he scores a huge goal. So, yeah, uh We've talked about Pasternak before. I mean, he's he's such a big part of the season as far as this team trying to build while, quote-unquote, trying to contend. And, uh, you know, there's, there's questions about Erickson, what's his future. For me, everything kind of circles back to are they going to know if Pasternak's a legitimate top six forward by the end of the season. They still don't know that, but, you know, he's scored in two of his last three games, so there's a start.
0: You know, and I wanted to talk about that with this Erickson reporting, quote unquote, that's out there. guess Darren Dreger from TSN in Canada weighing in that there could be some discussions going on at this point, and that's not to say that they're close on a the contract. They might actually come to the opposite conclusion, right? That it's time to trade him, and they're not going to come to an agreement. What is the future at right wing? I mean, can you afford to give Louis Erickson a five-year deal for, for big-time money? Or or is Pasternak and their first-round pick last year, Zach Sinition, who's having a really good year in the OHL, or are they kind of ticketed in next year for top six minutes?
1: Well, well, I mean, so they've been talking since, I mean, I got word in like mid to late November that they were at least talking, but as you kind of said, Nothing really even close to close. It's more probably them touching base and wanting to make sure that at least there's mutual interest in something happening. But the Bruins, and this was the case back in November, uh, they didn't know what kind of season this was going to be. They didn't want to uh, this to be a season where maybe they end up tanking or completely falling out of it, and then they've just signed this guy who doesn't let them actually finish with a poor enough record to, to get a good draft pick. Um, and then on the other end, if they're really contending, then you want to keep this guy and you think that you've got something to build off of. They don't have any clearer of a picture of that. And to what you were just referencing with who replaces him, what's their future of right wing, you also don't have any answers there because Pasternak has barely played this season. So it's going to be a really tough call for them on submission, I mean, all the credit to them. Everyone made fun of them for making that pick, and it's been a slam dunk so far because he's lighting up the OHL. Uh, who knows, though, if he even turns pro next season. If, if he does, he would have to play in the NHL. But then you're looking at, what, two guys with not a lot of NHL experience, in the case of Finition, none. Yeah. Being your, your top two right wings, that's a really tough sell. And if they're not, then you're looking at, uh, Jimmy Hayes being a top-six right wing, if Brett Conley's still around, him being a top-six right wing. And, you know, Conley can survive on Bergeron's right wing, but for most of the season, he hasn't been great. So, I mean, you you have a lot of wings, sure, but you don't have any wings the caliber of Louis Erickson. So they really need to... Uh, Matt Calmat actually put it best on Twitter today He said they have to sign him. And if they don't, they need to have some real solid plans as to what they're going to do. It can't just be a trade him or trade him for for picks and figure the rest out later or or let him walk and figure the rest out later. You need to know how to immediately replace him. Otherwise, we get the same conversation we have all the time of What's the Dan still doing here? If you're not going to win right now,
0: yeah, it's a great point. And you know, it, it the time to trade him this year. If you were going to do it, it was almost a week ago. You know, when you'd lost eight out of ten, or two weeks ago. Now that you're surging a bit, I can't see them not being in the playoff race at the trade deadline in some form or fashion. And then, what's it look like if you if you dump Louis Erickson when you're still in the mix? That that's not going to go over well with the fans.
1: That's a great point, and that's what they were actually looking like um, last season, really. And they had this big piece of. Carl Soderbergh, not nearly the, the piece that Louis Erickson is. I mean, Louis Erickson is one of the better players in the NHL, has, has been one of the better players in the NHL for his entire career, and he's 29 30 uh, right now. Um, yeah, it, it, with Soderbergh, it was maybe a little bit easier of a sell to, to keep him. Because you're thinking, all right, the GM's uh, managing for for his job right now, and the team doesn't really know what's going to happen. Maybe he's part of the reason why they end up making the playoffs. But you saw what happens when that doesn't work out. The the GM gets fired. So uh, Erickson is way too big an asset to to just let walk for nothing. So you've got to either sign him or you've got to trade him. And as you said, the position they're in right now, it would be a really tough sell if they were to trade him.
0: Yeah, and, and Louie's got a lot of leverage because he's close to free agency, and I'm sure they want him for a, you know, f- ideal for the Bruins is three years, right, not five, but I'm sure he wants some long-term.
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, I think that the the most logical uh, solution, and I put this out on Twitter, uh, and none of the idiots liked it, was uh, <laughs> five years times $5.75 million. I want to say that's 28 point something million, and really – Erickson and his agent have every reason to say, all right, the bidding starts at $6 million over five years. 5.75, just a shade below. And, you know, the Canadian dollar continues to fluctuate. The future of the the NHL salary cap isn't too promising. So maybe I I was talking to to Chris Abraham, the the kid who knows all the stats and really everything, and he made that point, you know, maybe you can, can say, given the future of the cap and all the uncertainty, maybe you need to take a a hair less than what you're actually worth right now. So, you know, for for me, perfect world, five years, $5.75 million. And yeah, you mentioned that you'd like to get him at a smaller term, but Steve Conroy of the Boston Herald has made this point. He's. It's not like Louis Erickson lives and dies by his speed. He doesn't have any assets that are going to depreciate over the course of his 30s. I mean, Louis Erickson... He's a great player because of his brain and because of his stick. Yeah. And you don't lose those two things over time. Uh, so for me, I think that, that Louis Erickson, and it's funny to think because uh, he certainly wasn't this word when it came to trading for him. I think that Louis Erickson would actually be a very safe signing.
0: Well, he would, and, and you can tell Claude Julien likes him, right? He's a dependable two-way player. I mean, quite the opposite with Pasternak and I bet you Sinishin. I mean, those are guys that I doubt Claude's going to trust real real quick.
1: Yeah. <laughs> You're on fire tonight because, I mean, that, that's so true. You think that, that Claude Julian will put Zach Sinishin in the same opportunity no. as Louis Louie Erickson right now? No chance.
0: Don't play five shifts a night the same way that, uh, that Pasternak is. All right, All right. Good, good stuff, DJ. Back-to-back home games coming up Thursday and Saturday. See you at the Garden. Great. Thanks, Kevin. DJ Bean all over the Big Bad blog at weei.com. Of course, check out Part 3, I'm sure, coming soon on the Louis Erickson trade front or sign front, whatever that may be. I'm Ken Laird. It's another Bruins postgame podcast presented by AT&T.